For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. It is Wednesday night, which means it's time for UFC strategy show right here on awesome.com of course that is a fighter pete rogers jr i am jason floyd hopefully everyone's having a, a good wednesday evening it is a pay-per-view week which uh we got a nice little prize pool on DraftKings this week uh pete yeah man a big big prize pool big fight uh pretty interesting card um super excited about the main event and co-main event and uh can't wait to dive in yeah of course we got two title fights that are going to be a part of this card here on uh, Sunday morning over in Abu Dhabi, uh, Saturday night, of course, here in the United States. So uh, we are here just wanting to break it down. Of course, uh, something we got to note is uh, this is the first of five events over in Abu Dhabi, which means the big cage, which that was actually something that got brought to Israel on Insania today. And uh, he basically said, yeah, it doesn't matter when we're 30 or 25, but does not matter to me. Uh, but of course, with two title fights, before we kind of break it down on the fights, we got to talk about with two title fights, how that goes into your roster construction. Because I think if you're a multiple lineup player, let's just say, for example, let's just say you're going to play five lineups, just five lineups. I believe one of those lineups, you fade both title fights. Yeah, I think it's just like I'm so attracted to the title fights that I can't get away from them, but it definitely makes sense to avoid them. Um, you know, we've been on a recent stretch where the main event isn't necessarily optimal. I do think that one of them will be optimal, uh, but I like what you're saying. Get away from them. Be a little contrarian. Um, I prefer the main event over the co-main uh, co event. I'm not sure if you would agree with me, but I think that the main event hosts two guys that have a decent finishing ability. Um, it's going to be a very close contest and, uh, you know, I'll be targeting the, I'll be targeting both, but you know, I definitely can't wait for the main. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm going to be targeting this fight, these, uh, fights in, in a majority of the lines, but you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a, if you're a multiple line player, I think you have to look at because ownership is going to be very high on the main event, co-main event because of five rounds, you know, I think you got a good chance that the main event will probably hit the championship rounds, which is part of the reason why I really like Israel on signing that. But I mean, look, Paul Acosta has got that death punch that could end the fight at, at, at any moment. Of course, uh, Reyes Vlahovic uh, for the vacant light heavyweight title. So uh, let's get right into this, Pete, right with the main event, Israel on Sanya and Paulo Costa, 8,500 on DK for Israel on Sanya, 7,700 for Costa, 21 for the champion, 19 for the challenger on FanDuel, then over super draft, uh, 1.9 times for the champion and 2.2 times for the challenger. Uh, Lee already in the chat saying what a savage main event. I think, and I think uh, a lot of people will agree with Lee in that one. Everyone's excited for this one. Yeah, I can't wait. I think uh, things going to be a great matchup. Hopefully it doesn't, it's not a dud. 
Um, I don't really see how it's going to be because Paulo Costa brings the action and he really gets in your face, you know, kind of like how Mike Tyson used to in his career and just uh, throws bombs. Uh, 7,700, the value is crazy on Paulo Costa if you think that he can touch and knock out Israel Adesanya. Now, he will have to overcome the reach disadvantage in this matchup. You know, Adesanya has an eight-inch reach advantage. So that, that is that is quite significant. Um, Adesanya is a big, big guy for the 185-pound weight class. He's six foot four. Uh, you won't see that height too much in that weight class, usually in the light heavyweight or heavyweight weight classes. I mean, he's got the frame of a light heavyweight. He really does. And, uh, you know, maybe after this fight, you know, in a couple fights, he'll gradually move up in uh, into another weight class and grow in that weight class. But uh, I'll be targeting both sides of this. I mean, I have a slight lean towards Adesanya because I think that with the the bigger cage, he can stay on the outside, pick Paulo Acosta apart. Um Paul Acosta kind of telegraphs his shots a little bit and you can see them coming. Now, granted, all you need is to get hit by one of them, get rocked and rattled. And next thing you know, Paul Acosta is jumping on you and throwing a barrage of punches to your body and head. He does not discriminate like most fighters just headhunt. Um, so I'll definitely have Paul Acosta. He's one of my favorite underdogs on the card. And for good reason, under 8K, you know what you're getting, 92% finish rate. I mean, come on, this, this fight is amazing. I'm slightly favoring Adesanya, though. The, the longer the fight goes, it definitely uh, plays in his favor. Yeah, no no question about that. Uh, you know, the salaries on, on DraftKings, you know, very easy to, to put that in your lineup, even if you want to take the champion at 8,500. Uh, you know, and obviously, you mentioned a great point. If you're drafting Paul Acosta, you kind of know. You know the path of victory, you know. Yeah. And ideally, I think that you're hoping that knockout comes in the first or second round. You kind of, you always talk about this point of like the third round is like the worst round mm -hmm. that you want the stoppage to come in over at FanDuel. Now, the prices don't really scare me at all. I mean, I, I would say, obviously, I like Israel a little bit more over there at, at $21. But yeah, I, I like it. To, I think this is a, a, I will have a good amount of shares on both guys. I'll have more shares on, on Israel than I, than I will Apollo just because. Um, I, I just think he's a better fighter. I, you know, you, you mentioned the point of his, you know, moving around. I think he'll just, you know, you know, pick his shots. And, you know, to me, it, it's, I'm all about Israel in this matchup in terms of that. Of course, if you do have any questions for us on these fights, just a line up there in chat. If it's a more of a general question, we'll get toward those towards the end of the show. Of course, uh, following us, by the way, we'll be NBA live before lock as they will get you ready for tonight's Celtics and Heat game. I've already got my lineups in for that game. Pete, I don't know if you, you already got advantage of uh, putting your lineups in and uh, had to get my MLB lineups in a little early too because uh, DK's main start was a 6 o'clock tonight. So I had to get those lineups in before uh, we got going here. So tons of to break down here in terms of this one. Of course, the other title fight, Reyes and Blahovich, 9,000 for Tom Reyes, 7,200 for, uh, for the Blahovich. $22 on FanDuel for Dom Reyes, 17 for Jan Blahovich, and then over a draft, oh, super draft, 1.75 times for Reyes, 2.35 times for Blahovich. So I, I mentioned this on my podcast earlier today. If I said Jan Blahovich has a 35% chance of winning this fight, am I too low? No, I, I think, um, you know, I think it's kind of right there. I mean, uh, I think that Dom Reyes should go out there and it's expected that he goes out there and gets it done. Uh, you're talking about a guy that arguably beat John Jones and, you know, put a good performance against them. He's six foot four, 205 pounds, sl uh, slight reach disadvantage, which is kind of odd. Blahovich does have the reach advantage here. One inch reach advantage. Um, 
you know, I just think that Dom Reyes' style being a long southpaw can cause a lot of problems for people. People don't understand that when you're facing a southpaw, which is a left-handed fighter, the angles of things are just different. Um, you know, it's a battle of footwork, trying to get your lead foot on the outside of their lead foot. When, you're, when your lead foot's on the outside of their lead foot, it sets up your power side. So you'll see the battle of the lead, lead foots here, lead feet, lead feet. Um, you know, uh, Blahovich and Reyes, I just think that the length of Reyes is going to be able to just pick Blahovich apart. Um, Blahovich is kind of just like always counted out. And I'm kind of counting him out here in this matchup, but he always surprises you. I mean, he, he knocks out Luke Rockhold overall in the UFC. He's nine and five. So he's has, he's had some rough patches. Also have had some, some great performances. Um, you know, at 7,200, if he wins, he, he'll probably bust the slate, but I, I really think that Reyes will get it done. He seems motivated, wants the belt. Seems like he got gypped in that John Jones fight. So, uh, I'm back in Reyes pretty heavily. I just don't know if it's the best DFS performance, but I can't imagine this going five rounds. I mean, it's, it's tough to imagine a 205 pound fight going five rounds. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely am on Reyes in this matchup, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll sprinkle a lineup with Blahovich here and there, you, you know, you do got to pay $1 more on FanDuel for Reyes than you do on Sanya, you know, and, and I mean, you were talking about, you know, a week ago, we had to pay $23 for Colby Covington. That, that did not work out, you know, in terms of uh, on FanDuel. So I think that's something to kind of uh, consider this matchup, but what is the path to victory for Blahovich? I think Blahovich is obviously getting inside, getting close. Now I know that he has a slight reach advantage, but like the, the style of Dom Reyes is longer than, than what it says on paper. So guys can have the best reach advantage in the world, but if they keep their hands glued to their chin, they're not really utilizing the reach advantage, especially if they don't get behind their jab. Uh, Blahovich should look to get close, throw his tight, powerful hooks. Um, clinch fighting should be good here. But I really think that Ray is just going to be a step ahead everywhere. Uh, I think that, you know, he's a nice play. Um, Blahovich is tough and everybody counts him out and he comes through. Maybe he'll do it this time, but at 37 years old, uh, I, will, I will back uh, Dom Reyes. Yeah, I like Dom Reyes in that matchup as well. One of the fights on the main car that has me the most interested is a flyweight matchup between Kai Car France and Brandon Royville. Kai Car France, 8900 on DK, 7300 for Royville. Uh, Royville, $12 on FanDuel. Man, that roster construction can become a little easier. You want to put Brandon Royville in there. $18 uh, for Kai Car France over on Super Trap, 1.75 times for France and 2.35 times for Royville. Of course, Royville, uh, you know, stepped up on short notice earlier this year, took on Tim Elliott, uh, ends up getting the second round uh, victory in that one. He is now a, a full time fighter. He, uh, he put his notice in with his uh, regular job right after that win. Uh, against Tim Elliott, but uh, break this one down for us. Yeah, so Kai Car of France uh, has a, a nice experience here at 4-1 in the UFC, coming off of Ultimate Fighter experience as well. 8,900 is a little rich for the style that he you know implements. A 125-pound weight class, not the best of finishes. He only has 57% finish rate in his entire career, you know, in his 21 victories. Uh, Kai Car of France, he likes to throw bombs, and he's pretty explosive for the weight class, and uh, Leading up to his UFC, uh, you know, st his UFC start, he was knocking and dropping a lot of people because he's just so powerful. Now, I feel like as time goes on, you know, like the division, they're starting to, you know, understand what he represents. And, you know, it's kind of like a sprawl and brawl mentality. Um, decent takedown defense. I mean, I shouldn't say decent. He comes in at 90 percent 
uh, on the stats, but Brandon Royville is going to be the bigger guy here, Jason, by five inches in height. Um, you know, seems like the longer frame, um, you know, and the thing with Brandon Royble is the way he finishes fights. He's able to, you know, search for crazy submissions. He's aggressive. And I've actually seen him work extensively on his striking and he can kind of go tit for tat with most of the people in the division. It's not like he's terrible. Uh, Brandon Royble comes in 91% finish rate out of 11 victories. My goodness. I think that is such a steal at 7,300. I do expect the large majority of people to think Kaikar France just kind of, uh, you know, punches his way to a decision and easily could happen. I mean, I, I'll have a few with Kaikar France, but I will definitely take, take my chances here against a kid that I really counted out against Tim Elliott. I thought Tim Elliott was going to just outwork him, and he was. But Brandon Royville never quit, and that was on short notice, and then he comes from behind and submits him. The, the kid has some of the best jujitsu I've seen, especially in that division. So 7,300, I'm getting exposure to this fight uh, a little bit more than the field. You know, one of the things I was talking to Tyson Nam yesterday, and we um, we were talking about his fight. You know, he got the win last week, and obviously that fight was at thirty five because of you know how that fight came together. But you know, he said to me, he said he goes, I don't know if you really notice, twenty five pound fights are having a higher finish rate. If you if you really look at it, and he kind of noted he he really gave credit to the matchmaking that they really you know they figured out you know how to put the right matchups together, whatnot, and that's. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, Pete, but it was, it was kind of an interesting thought hearing that from Tyson. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that uh, Tyson's the anomaly, and he's the one knocking a lot of people out, and uh, he's definitely boosting the stats as far as the KOs for 125-pounders. But, um, you know, traditionally, the lighter the guys are or the lighter the women are, um, you know, the less finishes occur. But, uh, you know, I think the small cage definitely has something to do with that. We're back in the big cage now, so uh, perhaps it gets back to the feed decisions. Great point made by Dylan over in the YouTube chat. He says Royville would make it easier to fit in Reyes and on science. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, Royville, I mean, it's not a, a super confident pick. It's a GPP pick for sure. So it's like one of the seven K options that I'm circling that when he wins, he's going to win convincingly win by, you know, submission or finish. So uh, it's definitely somebody I want exposure to. Yeah. I mean, we hit on Damon Jackson last week. I mean, look for, through the first 10 minutes of that fight, I was like, oh man. And I mean, he didn't score well. I want to say, I want to say on DK it was like 58 points. It was, it was a little higher on, on FanDuel, but especially on FanDuel at $9, it, it did help that that roster construction out a lot was not in the optimal lineup as uh, it was kind of crazy. Ch Chemayev and, um, and Covington were not in the optimal lineup, as I recall. It was, a, it was an interesting week. I mean, we hit on a lot of good points. Um, you know, getting different is good. And if you find a lineup that you like, use it. Because um, if, if you can be unique, it's, I mean, you're seeing unique lineups take down the optimal all the time. Yeah, it's uh, that's what we're all uh, searching for. By the way, uh, it's we'll, we'll get to an optimal question here in a little bit. But uh, let's, let's talk about this female matchup between Caitlin Vieira and Sajara Eubanks. Eubanks, 7,400. 8800 on DK for Vieira, $15 for Vieira on FanDuel, $13 for Eubanks, and then 1.9 times on Superdraft for Vieira and 2.2 times for Eubanks. The draft, uh, excuse me, the FanDuel salaries on this one, as I was putting my sheet together, that kind of stuck out a little bit to me. You look at the you look at the props on this fight, obviously the, the, the betting public believes this fight 
will go all 15 minutes, but that FanDuel pricing, I think, is going to lead to this fight having some decent ownership. Yeah, over on FanDuel, I have to agree. Um, you know, you, Sajara Eubanks coming off of a, a relatively quick performance, uh, oh, recent performance, I should say, against uh, Julia Avila. So uh, a lot of people counted her out on that, and a lot of people thought that she had no shot to win. But what she showed is that she has good boxing, great wrestling, good top control, and good advancement uh, on the ground. So uh, Sajara, uh, again, at 7,400 is somebody that you could look to as a value play. But when I'm looking at this card, this is really like one of the fights I don't have much interest in because uh, Caitlin Vieira is very good at 10 and 1. Sajara Eubanks is a lot better than 6 and 4. Uh, I mean, she's really good. And it's always been the gas tank concerns with her. And it seemed like last fight, it kind of was fixed. She starts slow and then seems to fade as the fight goes on. Um, it didn't really look like that. Maybe she was just super motivating against Julia Avila. But let me tell you, whenever you come off of a performance and you get back into, into the cage quickly, you really, really, really have an advantage over your opponent. And I don't think people understand that. Under the lights time or cage time or however you want to put it, when you have been in there routinely, it is such an advantage versus I don't care, if Jason, you haven't been in a cage in six months and I've been in there three times in the past six months yeah. i will have that comfortable feeling and i will feel at home in there so i wouldn't discredit sajar eubanks at 7400 um not the best finish rates for either one but uh not really a fight i'm targeting jason how about you i think it's a fight to potentially target on Fanduel. yeah and potentially target caitlin Vieira. here's why i think sajar eubanks will be going for a lot of takedowns yeah, yeah, you might yeah. be able to rack up some points with takedown defenses. Yeah, it's not a bad point. Uh, you know, I'm not really a FanDuel guy, and uh, that strategy makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm sure we'll get that, to somebody else that, that would be sneaky on FanDuel, too. That would be defending takedowns. That's the thing. On FanDuel, if you believe that one fighter is going to be going for a ton of takedowns, and then your fighter can stop the takedowns, last week, who was it? They stopped like nine takedown attempts. God, I can't think of who it was, but it, it was ultimately led to a huge score because of so many takedown uh, defenses. So that's something on FanDuel, you know, in terms of DraftKings, ah, Vieira, I mean, look, here's, you got to remember when Vieira was going that fight against Irene Aldana, that was a fight that the UFC was looking at as, okay, Caitlin Vieira could be the next title challenger. If she won that fight, it didn't happen that way. So I think that's something to play into, but to me, it's a little more of, of a FanDuel fight for me than it is a DraftKings fight. Now, I mentioned about there was a question uh, about an optimal fight. I just want to make sure I get the person. Uh, I believe it was Samuel that asked it. Yeah, Samuel asked about is the Hakeem versus Zubara fight. Is that going to be a fight that ultimately ends up in the optimal? This is the 8,200-8,000 fight. Hakeem is the 8,000 fighter on FanDuel. $16 for Hakeem. Zabara, $17. And they're both 2.05 times. On Super Draft, though, what's your take on this one, Pete? Gosh, I hate this price range. We know this. Uh, Tukagov, you know, he's very talented. 4-1-1 one, and one in the UFC. Going up against Hakeem Dawadu at 4-1. and one. Um, You know, not the best finish rates for either one of these guys. Tukagov, he'll strike enough, but really likes to implement takedowns. Uh, goes for about 2.8 per 15 minutes. Um, doesn't really have the best, uh, you know, accuracy or you know, doesn't land the best amount of takedowns. So lands about 50% of everyone that he shoots, which isn't the best. Uh, Hakeem Dewado comes in with, uh, you know, a really good takedown defense, 85%. If he can keep this fight on the feet, I think it's interesting because Tukagov doesn't 
he has like the skills and he has the height behind him, but under the lights, I haven't really been too impressed in the UFC. And I feel like a lot of people will just be attracted to the Russian fighter that, you know, was hyped up and, uh, you know, he could, could come in pretty heavily owned and thinking that Hakeem Dawadu is going to come in there and get smoked. I think that Hakeem is going to be a very, very tough ta- uh, challenge because he has a five inch reach advantage. Um, that's a lot for a 145 pounder. Um, he is the better finisher. And uh, we already know that Tukugov most likely is not going to be able to get you out of there early. So, uh, the longer the fight goes, maybe Dewadu is able to catch him with some shots or or get him. And uh, I do like Hakeem Dewadu at eight thousand, a little bit more than Tugugov at eighty two hundred. Tugugov's kind of disappointed me in the UFC, so uh, that's kind of my take on the fight. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be optimal or not, but uh, you know, just kind of they're looking at our ownership projections. They're not uh, right now expected to be one of the top plays over there. But if you are wanting to get access to our ownership projections, a top fire tool and so much more you gotta sign up for an awesome plus mma weekly pass for 895 this gives you access to our fire projections ownership projections and the top fighters tool there's not a bit better time for mma dfs so step into the octagon today as of course uh, that is uh tools that alex has there on the website we use them every week and help developing our lives as we always say uh, add fancy cruncher to your account. That's going to help you out a ton in terms of that one. Next up is I know a guy that you are, you're really interested in seeing here and that's Brad Riddell taking on Alex De Silva. Riddell 9,200, 7,000 for Silva, $19 on FanDuel for Brad, $10 for Alex over super draft 1.65 times for Brad 2.44 Alex. Yeah, man, I can't wait for this fight. The reason I can't wait for this fight is probably it's probably going to be a uh, striker's delight. Um, Brad Riddell comes in at 9,200. He's an absolute savage uh, out of city kickboxing, which if people aren't familiar with, that's the same camp that Israel Adesanya, you know, trains out of. That camp has been absolutely on fire for the past couple of years now, and people are really starting to take notice. Um, you know, De Silva's really tough, comes in 21-2, and two, definitely holds the experience edge over Riddell. Uh, and at 7K for a guy that finishes 95% of his wins, my goodness, he has to be on your radar. Um, I do think that Brad Riddell will surprise some people and still get the victory here. I think that he hits too hard. I think he's too talented. And I think he's, you know, he's really starting to become a well, you know, well-rounded mixed martial artist and was, was really just a, a talented striker. And you're starting to see that talented strikers can really make a good splash in MMA if they can learn some really good mm-hmm. takedown defense and they're surround themselves with a good group of people. Obviously, city kickboxing has figured out something and, and they have some formula that works for that style of fighter. Um, you know, so I really like Brad Riddell here at 9,200. I know that De Silva is 21 and 2, but I still think that Riddell can, uh, you know, I really th- think that he could work towards a finish. I just see this guy as uh, having so much potential in this division. There's so, I mean, obviously he's in that nine K range. Where, where does he kind of fit in, in your love in the nine K range? I mean, I, I like him because, and it might be biased because I like to roster people that, uh, I like to roster people that I want to watch fight, you know, like, and, and I really want to watch him perform and kind of, if I'm, I'm like a fan of somebody, I'm definitely going to roster him. Now I'm not going to go crazy, but I mean, this is a nice spot for him, you know, coming up uh, against a guy that kind of disappointed in the UFC a little bit, only averaging 40.3 DraftKings points is De Silva. Um, I think that the the opponent De Silva lost to, I think Riddell's better. And I think that Riddell can uh, really just 
even his price tag, Jason, I think that he can do it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So he's $19. You got uh, on FanDuel. Dom yeah. Reyes is $22. Does he have a higher ceiling on FanDuel than Dom Reyes? Mm, probably not. And the reason is because of the five rounds, but I don't think Ray is going to need five rounds. I think, um, you know, it's close. It's really close. Um, there's probably some other 9K options we'll get to that I might be slightly hesitant on. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's, you know, I mean, look, we're all trying to be contrarian. I mean, any, any thoughts on taking a flyer on De Silva? I mean, yeah, I mean, he has finished 95% of his 21 victories. The guy knows how to do something, and, and he mixes and matches it with uh, submission victories and TKO finishes. So it only takes one shot, Jason, and uh, he definitely probably – he definitely probably – he probably has the grappling advantage over Riddell here. So uh, if he gets it to the mat, he can make things interesting. Um, it seems like that's his strategy, averaging 2.59 takedowns per 15 minutes, but only 57% accuracy. So. He's another GPP guy with Brandon Royable and Paulo Costa that I'm circling. Next up, we got Diego Sanchez and Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews, 9,400 on DK, 6,800 for Diego Sanchez, $20 on FanDuel for Matthews, $8 for Diego. And then over on Superdraft, 1.5 times for Jake, 2.55 times for Diego Sanchez. Um, I, I think really the question mark with this one is, how does Jake Matthews pay off at 9,400? I don't know. I really don't know. I think at 9,400 is a little too rich. Uh, that's that Chamayev category. I don't know if, if he's really at that. And I know it's so much of fading uh, Diego Sanchez, but Diego Sanchez is legit, man. Let's like, like, I know he's not what he used to be. He is 38 years old, but overall he's 30 and 12. Like, uh, you know, that's a ridiculous record. He's seen everything. And, uh, you know, his coaching staff and the way that he's coached is definitely unorthodox. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a very, very strong grappler that can survive and is super tough. Never been submitted. Jake Matthews' strength is usually on the ground. He's an okay striker with some good pop, uh, you know, has some vicious ground and pound and ground control. So you're thinking that he can put Sanchez or reverse a position that Sanchez has put him in and then really capitalize with some heavy ground and pound. Um, you know, it's possible we've seen Joe Lozon, you know, KO uh, Diego Sanchez and several people hurt and KO Diego Sanchez. That's definitely the route to victory. But uh, 9,400, man, I just remember paying a lot. I don't, I don't remember the salaries, but I remember like when he fought Mickey Gall and I thought Mickey Gall was, you know, probably going to just destroy him because of, uh, you know, he's a younger guy and he seems like he can, you know, beat up the weathered veteran. And it wasn't really the case. Jake Matthews is a hell of a lot better than, than Mickey Gall. Like, let's be real. But, you know, at 26, you're really not, you know, at your peak mm -hmm. yet. So uh, maybe this is a learning curve for him. But I still think Matthews gets it done. I, I really can't see Sanchez winning here. I just see him being so tough that 9,400 isn't really the play. Jake Matthews, a seven and a half to one betting favorite in this fight. Of course, if you want to check out the betting odds, go to awesome.com right there at the top of the screen, click on the odds shopper, as you can check out all these lines. So I'm looking at the prop bets on Diego Sanchez in this fight. Oh boy. You want to make some money? What are we doing? Diego Sanchez wins by TKO KO. Any, any guess? Plus 1200. 
almost double, bro. Wow. Plus twenty three hundred. The disrespect is real, man. The disrespect is real. Okay, hold on. Let me let me pull up Diego Sanchez's record because, like, this might be taking it a little too far. Michael Chiesa wasn't able to finish him. Okay, so let, let's let's talk about his past performances. Okay, Michelle, hold on. You gotta remember. All right, you gotta remember before yep. his stoppage, not the not the Michelle Pajaya, the the stoppage before that. That was his first stoppage, and I believe what twelve years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I mean, the, the odds on that, you know, prop bet of him getting a, a TKO is crazy. Uh, you know, Michelle Pejea, he won because of an illegal knee. Uh, he was getting destroyed. But guess yeah. what? Michelle Pejea didn't put him away. Uh, Michael Chiesa, who is super tough and has some dominant, dominant grappling, was not able to finish him. Um, you know, he beat Mickey Gall. He beat Craig White. He was KO'd back-to-back by Matt Brown and Ally Quinta. Now, so my point is, like, out the guys that are KO and a TKO in this guy are like some some legitimate contenders or some legitimate talent, I should say. And Jake Matthews is, you know, let's not be mistaken. But Diego sometimes just finds another gear and is able to keep pushing and tires out his opponent. And guess what? Now they're tired and they can't KO him. So I don't hate, you know, the fact of this fight going to the distance. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I just don't like the output of Diego in terms of DFS. So to yeah. me, like, he's a guy I really have no interest in. By the way, Diego Sanchez wins by submission plus 2,500. When's his last submission? Let me pull it up. Um, I mean, a lot of people, when you think of Diego Sanchez, you just think of the Clay Guida fight, him going back and forth with crazy, crazy punching. But, I mean, back in 2004 was his last submission win. And that was on the ultimate fighter. He was submitting a lot of people on there because he has a great ground game. Now, um, I, I mean, it gets possible, but I really don't see that happening either. Uh, Samuel, we'll get to your question here right now. Appreciate you in, in the super chat. He goes, who's in the, who, who's in the 20% ownership ranks, ownership range you guys like on DK. So as I look at the 20% range, um, I would say Akeem Duwadu is the one that I would probably like the most in the 20% ownership range. Yes. Yeah, as, as, as I look at it right now. Yeah, I think it's an upside play. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, something to consider. But yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know if I'll really touch much of. I, I don't know if I'll touch much of this fight in terms of Matthews and Sanchez. I, I'll have a few with Matthews because I think that he is the A side of the fight. I mean, granted, we are talking about experience versus youth. Um, you know, father times undefeated, Jason Floyd's favorite quote, and it is true. But um, you know, Sanchez has really, you know, screwed me over in the past. So. I think Matthews at 9,400, just be cautious. Yeah, I think you got to be cautious. Um, I would probably say I'd, I'd have more interest on Matthews probably on FanDuel than I would on DK. Yeah, um, I would agree. But, yeah, but, I mean, Diego's tough, man. I mean, we can, like, we can joke about Diego and, and his coach and all that, but the fact is this guy's a tough dude, and he is tough to finish. Yeah, I still think that Jake Matthews on the scorecards will get it done, but it's like it's not a not a home run spot by any means. Uh, then we got uh, Young versus Klein. Of course, Shane Young was supposed to take on Nate Landwehr. Nate uh, pulled from the card due to COVID. We do not have any uh, salaries for DK at this point. Uh, Young seventeen dollars, sixteen dollars for Klein. One point nine five times on Super Draft for Young. Klein two point one times and. No, uh, right before we started, you were uh, you were talking about Klein a little bit here. Yeah, I'll have to pay attention to this fight, and I'll have to see what DraftKings does. Um, you know, Shane Young's coming in with a you know as a moderate favorite over uh, Ladovic Klein. Uh, Ladovic Klein is on a pretty nice win streak. Comes in at sixteen two overall. Uh, he's the number two featherweight in uh, you know Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe, uh, whereas you know Shane Young is uh, you know thirteen and four. Comes from the city kickboxing area. Uh, so I, I would imagine that he's well prepared for this bout. Um, but I do think that of the city kickboxing guys on the card, he's probably my least favorite. Uh, comes in 77% finish rate. Um, I think that Klein is a very aggressive striker. This should be a striking matchup. Klein throws a lot of head kicks. And I do think that um, he could set up a nice head kick win. Um, that definitely has the experience you know, advantage in this one. Slight, but the UFC experience will be on Shane Young's behalf. Uh, it's a fight I'll definitely target and look at. I'll have to see how the weigh-ins are. Uh, finishing advantage, 94% out of 16 victories for Klein. That is crazy. Uh, you know, I'll have to see what DraftKings does. And then, obviously, we'll have to check out the weigh-ins. And you guys have to check us out on Saturday for Live Before Lock for our updated picks and rankings and everything. Uh, you know, so a few things have to happen before we can really make a pick on this fight. Yeah, by the way, Live Before Lock on Saturday will be at 6 p.m. Eastern time, one hour before the fight start. And uh, by the way, just looking at the betting odds right now, Klein minus 115, Young minus 115. I think we're going to see Young 8,300 and Klein 7,900. Let's see. I think it's a, I think that's a good uh, good guess. Um, Especially since we have no 8,300, 7,900 fight. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I I, I was like, ready to pull these numbers out. And then I'm looking at my sheet and I'm like, oh, wow. Real original, Jason. You're just filling in the blanks. Um. <laughs> hey, look, I look at the betting odds. Okay. All right. We're in that 8,200, 8,000 range. Let me look at my sheet here. Wow. We don't have an 8,379. So there we go. Really taking a chance right there, Jason. Uh. But you know, it's a fight. You get definitely have hate tonight. <laughs> you are hating tonight, man. It's all good, man. It's all good. You're just trying to troll me. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. I got a lot, a, a lot of room to catch up to you. Okay. That is very true. That is very true. 
Um, next up, we got a light heavyweight matchup, uh, Knight versus Cammer. Of course, we're very familiar with, with yeah. uh, William Knight, of course, up there, you know, where you're at for the Northeast scene. He's 7,600. Alexa, 8,600. Of course, training partner of Stipe Miocic. $16 for William. Alexa, $17. And then 2.2 times on Super Draft for William and Alexi, 1.9 times. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one, especially in terms of the length uh, that Alexa has. Uh, in this matchup. Yeah. I mean, it's slight. It's, he doesn't really have the best uh, size advantage over William Knight, even though William Knight looks like he should be a weight class lower and he'll argue with you that he does not want that to happen. Uh, well, don't, don't, a- don't ask him that bro. Yeah. Do not ask him that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's getting wins here. I don't blame him. It's kind of like when Frankie Edgar was on top at 155 pounds, he's like, why would I ever go to 135? And uh, you know, now he's there, but uh, you know, Alexa Kamer comes in 8,600, six, you know, six foot one, 74 inch, uh, 74 inch reach. Uh, William Knight comes in 7,600, 510, only 73 inch reach. So it's a slight reach disadvantage for William Knight. Uh, this fight is one that I'm really targeting because they're both guys coming off the contender series. Really? Uh, I know Alexa Kamer is one and all in the UFC, but he's green. And so is William Knight. William Knight is green. And what I mean by that is relatively inexperienced. They're still put in bad positions. Uh, William Knight comes in with 100% finish rate at 8-1. Kamer's 83% finish rate at 6-0. And, and I think Kamer's going to be really popular. I really do. Because guess what? We're all hearing Steve Miocic's training partner. That's literally like why we're holding Kamer to such a high regard over William Knight. William Knight is a tough guy. It seems to find a way to win at all costs. Uh, you know, contender series gets put on his back, controlled all the time, uh, gets out grappled a lot, ends up landing some crazy elbows against the cage, you know, comfort behind victories of getting on top of ground and pound. So William Knight really is able to survive a lot and overcome adversity. So I'll have exposure to both sides. I do think that Kamer can keep it standing up and can be the sharper of the two, has the better gas tank and probably the better overall game. Now, explosive William Knight is like a round one monster. Uh, in round one, I feel like at 7,600, he's another guy. I always, every card, Jason, pick three or four fighters under the 8K that I mix and match for a lot of my, my lineups, and it works out. Knight's going to be one of the guys that I'm going to mix and match. Yeah, I would say I like Knight um, from a, a salary aspect in terms of roster construction, more on DK than I do FanDuel because yeah. FanDuel, they're essentially the same. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't bother on FanDuel on uh, on DraftKings. It's, uh, you know, the value on Knight is insane. It really is. But how, how long are you going to be able to get away with this? You know, I put myself in bad positions. I put myself in bad positions. I'm losing a fight. Guess what? I have to, you know, pull out some heroic effort to get the victory that ha- that that works on the regional level that works at the you know on the contender series but now you're in the ufc but guess what he's facing a guy coming from the contender series who really isn't ufc proven so i mean it's literally a regional slash dana white contender well, series fight in the ufc let's remember about that contender series fight william just had brunge is on his back That's and the saying. referee's telling him the work That's what I'm saying. He's in a great position. And like, and look, and and Cody's gas tank got the best of that night. But I'm also like, dude, referee, he is in a prime position. (laughs) Why are you telling him the work? The fight's hard enough, Jason. The last thing is you want to have somebody's back and the ref's telling you better work or I'm going to remove you from position. I'd be like, 
what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like I just worked so hard to get them here, but that's a totally different conversation. Um, you know, officiating an MMA really needs to uh, get fixed. Yeah. That's something that's so it's, it's a big topic and it's not going to get fixed overnight. Uh, then we got a heavyweight matchup. Juan Espino taking on Jeff Hughes, Espino 9,100 first fight. And, uh, since, uh, since the ultimate fire season 28, taking on Jeff Hughes, 7,100, $19 for Esposino on FanDuel, $9 for Hughes. And then Juan 1.75 times on Superdraft and 2.35 times on for Jeff. Obviously, uh, we're very early in the week. Ownership is is crazy high right now on Juan, especially on DraftKings. But does the, the two year layoff concern you? Yeah, I mean it does concern me. Uh, you know, I, I I think I always tend to favor fighters that have been in the octagon uh, more frequently or uh, lately. And Juan Espino coming off a layoff, you know, it's it's got me slightly concerned, but nothing over the top because I've been forced to be sidelined for some time as well and then I know what I have done while I'm on the sidelines and uh, I've been working a lot I've been training a lot working on my craft uh, training every day waiting for the opportunity to come healing up injuries so perhaps that's why Juan Espino has been out of the octagon for a little bit the one thing that's insane Jason is he's one and only UFC and he's 39 years old Mm -hmm. what the heck I thought that was a typo. I'm over here filling out the sheet and I'm like, how is that right? How is that right? I mean, the guy's coming off of a, a great performance on the ultimate fighter, uh, wins the ultimate fighter, then uh, is one and zero in UFC, obviously from that, um, has a great performance, scored 123 DraftKings points, which is insane. Averages 8.3 takedowns per 15 minutes. My God, takedown city galore, takedown city. So Espino's our guy for takedown city, but Hughes is no joke and no slouch. And, the guy comes in at 10 and three and one, Oh, two and one in the UFC. It looks like a cupcake matchup, but it's going to be tough sledding. It really is. Cause, cause Jeff Hughes, you know, before he came to the UFC is like a guy that has a pretty overall game, good, decent striker, decent wrestling can hang with the best. If Espino gases or Espino goes out there with a limited gas tank or limited strategy, you could see Hughes work towards possibly upsetting him here. But I think the chalk of the slate is Espino based on the 123, uh, you know, points that he accrued in his uh, first performance. And ownership projections right now to show that uh, you mentioned about the points he scored in, in his official UFC debut, uh, landed 22 significant strikes, two takedowns, two submissions, four passes. That's how he got up to 123 points in that one. But yeah, the ownership right now definitely uh, is up there. and We'll see how that goes on as the week goes on. Um, can you explain something to me how a guy's 0-3 in the UFC? Hey, it's first fight of the night, so probably, you know, I'll have very, very limited exposure to this. Are you taking a guy who's 0-3 in the UFC at $8,700? Goodness, you might have to. And, uh, you know, it's a head scratcher for sure because what I like to do is I like to break down the fights. And then you start talking to me and you start trying to sneak what salaries people are. And I'm like, listen, Jason, be quiet. Don't tell me that yet. I'm doing my fight, my fight research. I'm checking out film. I don't need to be swayed one way or another because somebody looks juicy on the DraftKings. I checked that last. And then when I'm filling out the sheet and I check him and it's 8,700, I said, goodness, really? Okay, so this is what the world has come to where Ibrahimov is 8,700 when he's 0-3 in the UFC and has been uh, brutally finished and really hasn't 
amounted to what the UFC had hoped when they signed him. I mean, let me pull up this guy's record. Uh, yeah, coming good, yeah. into the UFC, he was pretty pretty heralded as a guy that was going to do well. I mean, he was 7-0 and with, what, one, two, three, four, five, five finishes. Like, he gets rear-naked chokes, he gets TKOs, comes in, gets finished by Don Moon Jung, who's very, very talented, loses a decision to Ed Herman, and then just gets absolutely obliterated by Roman uh, Delize in, uh, you know, what, two months ago? So how recovered is he? Well, why is he a favorite in this matchup, Jason? Because Marquez, relatively unknown guy. Like, what are we getting out of this guy? I mean, the guy does train at Kings MMA. I only see footage of him hitting pads, doing the same damn combinations over and over and over. Doesn't even look that good doing it. Uh, has fought people from the crowd, um, kind of like, you know, uh, Ibrahimov has. So you might need exposure to this fight, Jason. Like, you really do. I think this is going to scream optimal because of how bad these guys are. And no disrespect, it's just the truth in this situation. So you've got Danilo hasn't fought in over two years. Yeah. His last fight was February 18th, 2018. My birthday. So he lost a split decision back in 2017 on LFA against Myron Davis. Okay. So he's seven and two at that point. You ready for this one? His uh-huh. next opponent record was 0 and 16. Where are these guys? Guy at? Is, this guy is now 0 and 21. Where are these guys at? I want to fight these guys. Okay. Brazil. Uh, yeah. Can, Jason, get me some fights over there. I need to be lining these guys up because I need to get a pretty record. So, um, no, I mean, let's be real. The guy does have some finishing ability, um, you know, comes in with the finishing advantage in this situation. 89% finish rate out of his nine victories. But like a lot of his opponents don't have what we call tapology pages and don't have <laughs> like actual real records. And we talk about it all the time. This, these opponents really could just be smokers. And what I mean by that is like gym versus gym training against each other, sanctioned event kind of in Brazil. Uh, all I know is this is a nightmare of a matchup, and Ibrahimov should win this fight. He should not lose this fight. Um, but goodness, it does not make me feel comfortable at all. Bro, when you're 0 and 16, at what point do you stop fighting? Bro, it's I guess I guess it's a paycheck, right? At least you know you're gonna make something. At what point does a commit like there's gotta be a commission that goes, uh, yeah, we need to stop giving you fights. Yeah, yeah. I mean after a while, you're a liability, right? I mean, if you're just going out there and getting demolished, it's like, okay, well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Of course, uh, be sure to check out all the content we have over at awesomeo.com. Let you know right now here today on Wednesday, uh, part of the free premium content on the site is NFL projections. So you got to check that out. Also, by the way, coming up right after us, will be NBA Live Before Lock to get you ready for tonight's Celtics and heat game also uh, be sure to be following awesome on social media like us on instagram we're putting up uh, audio clips from shows up there also uh like us on facebook as well of course uh, all of our shows are available on the awesome podcast network just go to awesome for the link so if you cannot catch us live and maybe you want to listen to us on your way to work on a thursday morning you gotta download the podcast right now so be sure to check that out but uh, let's wrap up the last uh, you know, eight, eight or 10 minutes of this show talking about some listener questions 
that have come in via the chat. Also, you can put those over in Slack as well if you do have any question. As uh, Legalize says, uh, great sweater, Pete. Hey, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. It's cold up here in New England, man. I'm tired of it. Like, I, I'm up here in New England. It's freezing it, at night. It's, man, we got summer and now it feels like winter. So I'm kind of over already. So as I look at my Apple Watch, that tells me the temperature is outside here in Tampa. What are you at? 85 degrees. Oh, my God. Why am I? I, I got to talk to my girlfriend. We have to move. I cannot. <laughs> I can't deal with this no more. I'm being serious. Yeah. Um, let's get some questions in, in related to uh, this fight car. Um, Joshua says, how many times out of 10 does Diego win this fight? Two. Yeah, that's kind of the number I was going with. Um, it happened, man. It really can because how many people just quit in the octagon? And I, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like when you're getting hit a lot or you're getting outworked, a lot of times people break and anybody can – Diego is a guy that just has crazy pace and definitely can break opponents. Yeah, the problem is just what you've seen out of Diego over and, – and, and I just think – I just don't see it as a DFS play. Yeah, heck I, mean, no. I don't have any faith, man. I, I get the, you know, taking the, the value there, but I just don't get it. Uh, Samuel's got a couple of questions. Uh, top two upsets. Oh, gosh. I think Royville for me would be one and Dewadu would be the other. Yeah, I mean, Dewadu plus 105. Um, I don't know if there's another one that really sticks out to me, but yeah, Royville was the one that, that really kind of stuck out to me in terms of that one. Uh, top two sleeper picks. I think. I think the Silva could be a sleeper pick. Um, granted, I I like Riddell, but I'm just basing it off of his finishing ability. Ninety five percent finish rate out of twenty one victories is insane. So uh, definitely a GPP dart throw. In terms of DFS. Um, this would be more um, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Caitlin Vieira. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say. I think, I think she might be price wise. She's nicer on FanDuel than she is DraftKings, but the ownership's kind of a little high on FanDuel with her, which really should be a surprise. Basically. I'm just not doing it this week. I'm just not touching the fight. <laughs> it means it's going to be like 150 points for her. What happened with uh, Jessica Rose Clark, right? Is that who fought last week? Yeah, yeah, it was it was Jessica Rose Clark that got all the take the takedown defenses. Yeah, I mean, she that, should she should have got bonus points for winning the fight twice. Yeah, I mean, bad call leads to more fantasy points, and it happens all the time. I guess it's crazy. I don't know if you saw uh, after the fact. Uh, so her opponent Sarah Alpar was getting married in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone reporter asked her about. It. She goes, "What a s question." Like, how do you bring that question up, man? Oh, yeah. Um, Not her problem. Don't schedule a wedding yeah. a week or two uh, after the fight. Exactly. Uh, Samuel wants to know, he goes, I want to know which fighters are Pete most excited about? Most excited about the main event, for sure. Uh, I'm really excited about Dom Reyes. I think that he can go in there and put on a hell of a performance. Brad Riddell is probably going to be on the top of my list as well. Um, strikers, baby. You know, you guys know I like strikers. 
Yes, we definitely know that. Uh, top two priority fights on the main card to target. Uh, I don't have the main card opposed to the prelim card. Staring. So it is Hakeem Zabara, Caitlin Sajara, uh, France Royville, and then the two title fights. Okay, so what's the question? Uh, what uh, top two priority fights on the main card to target? Um, I would say the naturally i'd say the two five round fights but to be contrarian i would say the main event and the hakeem zabira fight top two gpp fighters um didn't didn't specify which slate though well okay i mean if we're talking gpp guys that could if they win it's going to be early that would be william knight i would imagine that would be a guy that that you know can definitely win early and, and kill it and uh brandon royal can really do the same thing paulo costa <laughs> i mean let's talk about paulo costa you know what he's going to do he's going to get right in israel's face and i'm really worried if israel gets hit because kelvin gaslam was able to hit israel quite a bit granted completely different style matchup but uh you know definitely something to, to uh think about uh top two cash fighters uh, I like Adesanya and I like Reyes. I think that's uh, two I'd plug in. Uh, Jenkins says, "Cut the crap! Who's getting knocked out in this slate?" <laughs> I think Blahovich is getting knocked out. Uh, yeah, I would definitely make it. Uh, I would definitely believe you in that one. Um, I don't know why people think you have a man bun. I don't know. I mean. That's my boy Aiden. Hey, I could. I told him. I said I could not pull off a man bun. I don't have that much hair. But uh, I even if I could do it, Jason, I wouldn't do it. Uh, let's be. Real. Your hair, your hair's coming back after uh, doing the quarantine haircut. Yeah, man, it's uh, slowly coming back. <laughs> uh, Espanino, Espanino, a top cash play. Um, I wouldn't say he's a top cash play because he's been out of the octagon a little bit. I think it's somewhat of a trap to expect a guy that's been away from the octagon who's 39 years old to come in and have instant success. Uh, again, I would, you know, be slightly hesitant on it. I'll definitely pull the trigger, but there, are, I, I would much rather pay Dom Reyes at 9,000. I know what I'm getting out of him in a five round matchup. Uh, Dan says Paul's pressure, cutting the cage off and constant and constantly body shots. His volume is insane. People can't say Paul just needs one punch. Paul will run over Izzy in the second. He doesn't need one punch. And, you know, I, I talked about it. I said he doesn't discriminate. Hits you in the head, hits you in the body. Uh, every punch he throws is powerful. Uh, it's it's if Izzy can take the shot or not. But in order for Paul Acosta to do that, he has to get inside of an eight-inch reach disadvantage against a guy that has crazy volume, crazy angles, will touch you with his hands, uh, you know, He'll really uh, just get you to faint and, and react to his hips, throw kicks. I mean, he has a variety of strikes that can keep you at bay. Um, you know, he'll and he'll keep switching stances on you. So Adesanya doesn't discriminate which stance he hits you from. So it's a it's a really interesting matchup. Like I said, I cannot wait. If you feel strongly one way or another, that's cool. But uh, I'm slightly leaning Adesanya. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is, and this got brought up today to, to Izzy, is he's constantly, people like discredit him. If you think about all of his UFC fights, it was always like, oh, he's going to start fighting elite competition. It's not going to happen. Then we saw what he did to Varus. And he's just a guy that people count out more times than not. So, uh, But I do understand the value there, Apollo Costa. We're going to finish on this one. Uh, Joshua says, 
Uh, this is more about uh, Diego Sanchez. Could you win with Sanchez if he doesn't get finished? His gas tank is always there. Yeah, I mean, that's hoping that no 7K options really come through. Uh, when no 7K options come through and win, stacking fights makes sense. I wouldn't stack too many fights on this card. I probably wouldn't stack anything. I don't like stacking to begin with. But uh, losing fighters can be in the optimal if they you know reach a point, of course. So I'm just looking at significant strikes landed for Diego Sanchez. The last time he landed north of 60 significant strikes in a fight, March 2nd, 2013. Was that Clay Guida? Uh, that was against Takanori Gomi. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... I can't really get behind Sanchez right now and the things, the weird things that he's doing, but I'll definitely give him credit and let him know that he's tough. And uh, I do respect him. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes down. Of course, we'll be here on Saturday, 6 PM each time for live before lock. So be sure to, uh, that show is all about answering your questions. Of course, keep it locked here to awesome.com. Come up next is NBA live before lock. So that is going to wrap it up for myself and Pete right here on the MMA strategy show right here on awesome.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.